0: We are on the brink of a mental health crisis, and this is why I am so appreciative of the folks over at BetterHelp. They provide the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. Sign up today, go to BetterHelp.com, and use the promo code Solving Healthcare and get 10% off. Sign up fees. 99 at gmail.com, reach out on Facebook at Quadcast, or online at drkwadjo.ca. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadro Karamante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Qualcast Nation, welcome back. We are doing a spectacular episode with trauma therapist, Resiliency expert, I'm gonna call her too, Catherine Clark. She has a great book out called Gifts. We'll definitely put up the links to, in the show notes. But you you guys are gonna really enjoy this episode. I, there's so many great take homes and talking about the 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 value of addressing mental health, obviously, and and dealing with burnout, but also how to overcome it. Talk about that a concept called self enjoyment, making your love list. Um, just just really taking ownership on on ways that we can individually and as leaders even create a space where people prioritize their own health, mental health, and wellness. And I think you guys are really gonna love this one. Just gonna put a quick plug for Solving Wellness, our attempt to change the boogie to address mental health. Amongst our healthcare providers, provi- providing online workouts, yoga sessions, nutrition tips, mindful meditation, all on one platform. Really trying to foster that sense of community amongst healthcare providers. So jump on at com. You guys are going to love it. All right. So without further ado, let's do this. Catherine Clark. All right. All right, Quadcast Nation. We are back in full effect with the one and only. Catherine Clark. I'm really stoked about this one because we're going to cover a lot of important topics, specifically resilience, especially how, you know, difficult the times have been over the last two and a half years. So Catherine, welcome on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and share my mental health resiliency toolkit with others.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, Maybe a good place to start is like, what, what drew you to this field? Like what, what's your story? Like a, a lot of times that people get drawn into the mental health space, they, you know, there's a story behind it. So what, what led you here?
1: There's always a story. That's for sure. And I think uh, the best stories are the ones where we have to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and start all over again. Don't you think?
0: Mm, absolutely.
1: That was certainly me, and I think I went from consumer psychology and advertising and trying to sell sell cough syrup to babies, which I'm sure you can agree (laughs) has its pros and cons, to actually having a life-threatening tumor. Mm. And that was at the age of 30. So I had a very severe depression. I found myself on the edge of the subway platform, and I can tell you right now, suicidal ideation is real. real. What, um, what I learned from that was that A, I wanted to be in the helping profession. B, I didn't want anyone else to suffer in silence. And I wanted to educate people that there's bridges that can be built so that you can actually rise from any adversity, any hardship, any tough times. I call those, Roger, I call those dark packages. And what I want our viewers to know about me is I've had a bunch of them on my doorstep. Most recently, a marriage that imploded, loaded up the Passat, drove to Toronto, wrote a book on it because during the pandemic, some of us really had to face those -hmm. dark packages. Many of us did. We had losses. We We lost loss of life, loss of businesses, loss of the ability to just the freedom to go out. So that's how I ended up taking all of that knowledge, having even worked in the Arctic where the suicide rate is 10 times the national average. I said, I want to put this all into a bite-sized, easily digestible roadmap so that people can say, instead of saying, oh, I'm at the bottom of the barrel here in my dark package, instead say, bring it on because there's a dark gift in there.
0: Wow. I mean... I must say, you know, sorry, obviously that you've had to go through your own set of dark packages, but, um, you know, like just hearing that, you know, often people say to themselves like easier said than done, like, you know, like even when you're looking at your own personal journey, like, was this, you know, something that came to over a course of weeks of a course of months of a course of years to realize that, you know that adversity can be used in, in a positive light. How did, how did you get there?
1: You know, I think we all get little nuggets of wisdom, right, as we, as we go through life. And my first nugget was at 30 years old. And I have to say 30 years later, with 25 years in the mental health field, um, doing everything from sitting with grieving mothers who've lost yet another child to suicide, all the way to bank robberies, critical incident stress debriefing, and most importantly, really taking away that imposter syndrome and saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm burned out. And we don't have that mental health gauge, do we? We're not taught it in school. And so little by little, I think we collect up this wisdom, but many of us push it down. And that's what I call, you know, the repression tool that's not very effective. What gave me the gift in the pandemic was to actually pause and say, okay, there's no running, there's no more striving, there's no more trying to fix things or put on that, I'm just fine face when really you're not. And to be honest with my readers, So that they would have the permission to be honest with themselves, Mm. get the information they need to take small steps out of that dark box. And better yet, to say, what's the newfound wisdom of getting through those rapids and swimming to the other side? Newfound strength. What do I really want to do with my life? And that's kind of the four parts of the way I, I set the book up. So that we can go from barely surviving at a pity party to thriving and feeling fulfilled at our pivot party.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is great. Cause I mean, as you alluded to, there's been a lot of dark times in the last two and a half years. Like we've done a lot of highlighting that on our show in terms of, you know, the mental health concerns, the physical, Health concerns of people feeling abandoned the isolation, the loneliness, the lack of community, and in my humble opinion, the mental health crisis will be that's the next big wave of of concern and then you know for in terms of health so much is 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 reliant on our mental space you know mental health space so uh you know it this is such an important topic in my mind. And yes. a lot of people out there are just like, where do I start? Like, where do I even begin in terms of trying to get out of the get out of the weeds there? And and so you know, you mentioned the the four kind of parts to to the book, but what wh- where do people start? Like, how do we how do we navigate them through these these their dark packages?
1: Yeah, well, that's a really great question. Uh, And, you know, sometimes that's why we don't start at all, right? We just stay stuck because we think, I I don't even know the first step to take. Mm. And I want people to know that's okay. I didn't know either. But just talking right now, like, I'd like to think we're both, in the trauma intervention and prevention business. And we all know (laughs) that if we have physical health issues, they exacerbate our mental health. And if our mental health is is like we're we're burned out or we're pushed to the limit, then we start to have hypertension. And, you know, we're trying to avoid people waiting to the last minute. So how do you do that? One of the first things to do to get on the mental health resiliency roadway, as I call it, is to actually see if your car, have your car safety. If we're like a vehicle, you got to look under the hood. Mm. So even going online, I have some online resources in my ebook with like mentalhealth.ca, for example, has a stress inventory. Be curious. So, you know what, I wonder like what, where I'm really at right now. Even the old Holmes and Ray stress inventory, I don't know if you remember that, it mm-hmm. looked at incidents like, you know, if you've just had a divorce and you've lost your business and you've got, you're dealing with a parent with Alzheimer's, the sandwich generation, for example dealing with aging parents and children that are struggling with homeschooling or whatever, you're pretty much over the edge, right? So first step is knowledge, self-knowledge and self-awareness. Take stock of where you're at because you shouldn't be getting on the roadway at all in the morning if your car isn't safe to drive. And secondly, once you've looked under the hood, know that little T traumas or big T traumas, Happen to everyone, and and don't judge yourself for feeling like like you're having panic attacks, or or you know you're you're just you're so overwhelmed. You feel depressed. You don't you're, you're hopeless. You don't have any sense of you know spunk left in you. Because that happens to everyone. And I'm sure as a medical doctor, I would love for you to reinforce that mental disorders are no different than physical disorders and they deserve the appropriate treatment. Go to your doctor. That's your front door of treatment. Have him do something like a Beck depression inventory or anxiety inventory. Get the real information. If you online's good... Your employee assistance program. I work for a lot of the large EAPs. They're very underutilized. But research shows that for every dollar invested in those EAPs, the return on investment is tenfold in terms of, you know, reduce sick time, reduce disability time. We're not getting people filling up our emergency rooms. So first of all, have a conversation. Find that that trusted friend. We all need what I call a, uh, who are you going to call hit list, right? You know, ghostbusters aren't answering anymore, but I bet you have a couple of good friends that set you straight and a couple of good professional contacts. So that's, that's bar none. That's the most important first step.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's really, I, I agree with you. That's really key. And I think a lot of us don't, don't, do the inventory we don't we don't check we don't like uh, you know as you said whether you're you're in the sandwich generation or you're you know young parents uh you have a young family you're go 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 all the time you're used to having to you know many of us in healthcare perform under pressure and so just like you know used to having being in the the red zone for an extended period of time but not really having or not really taking a moment to say to ourselves, how are we, how are we doing individually, even collectively? Like I, I think sometimes this is something that you could, as, as healthcare leaders, even, uh, really reinforce to take the time to say, how are we doing? Yes. Um, yes. you know, especially as I've said now a couple of times, we just went through a, a very challenging time. Mm-hmm. I saw some of the most, you know, even I think I, I just gave a talk to one our respiratory therapist about, you know, wellness and resilience. And I, I remember saying to them, I'm like, think about what you guys have gone through. Like, yes. you were there at the bedside when we didn't know how dangerous this virus was. <laughs> and it was no so idea. many unknowns. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like that, that, that had to weigh on you. And, but yeah, that, that that concept of checking in, finding somebody that you could rely on, whether that's friend, colleague, professional, um, and, or using these online resources, whatever it is, I th- I, I do think and hi- highly encourage people to just check in. I think that's great, Catherine.
1: Check in and let's talk. And you yeah. know, you mentioned medical professionals mm-hmm. and community. I think that was one of the gifts in the dark package as well, is everyone was pushed in the caregiving field to their limit. But what about self-care? That's a small little step. The oxygen masks fall from the ceiling in the plane. You're traveling with the elderly or small children. Who do you need to put the mask on first, Quadro?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yourself, because if
1: you don't actually take stock, where you're at, you're going to pass out. You're not going to be there for the people that are counting on you. And I just want to take this badge of honor off. You can be a professional and, and the self-respect and the respect that you have for yourselves and your community is being able to say, you know what? I looked at my mental health gauge and in order for me to not make a mistake, you know, to be there, I have to get off. I have to take care of my whole self now, of which mental health is a key driver.
0: Yeah, it's it's yeah. We gotta get rid of that hero like flexing. I don't know, and that's not the medical term, but like when we just I call start it to, me. <laughs> the posture or whatever you want to call it, like we do it too much.
1: I call it the "buck up" school of counseling, you know, the Jackie Kennedy like, just soldier on, stiff upper lip, you know, like nothing to see here. Meanwhile, yeah. like carnage over on aisle seven, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, and and I mean, part uh, of my, my, uh, the goal of having these conversations now and is just to normalize it too, Catherine. You know what I mean? Like just to say, like this is this is a norm for us. This is a norm of the culture. to to check in and to acknowledge that, you know, the mental health concerns that we have collectively is real. And that we are going to prioritize this bad boy period.
1: Yes. And it's, it's reducing the stigma. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when we're all on a continuum. We all have dark packages and mental health challenges but if we mitigate those, even even exercise, I know you're a proponent of that, so am I. You're getting the endorphins going, getting out in nature. Those are small steps that I have seen. Um, I, I'm trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, but to be as effective mm. as antidepressant medication can be having a regular exercise regimen. I am very excited. I don't, you, you have younger kids, minor Gen Z too at the very beginning of the curve. And, you know, they were not, they were not born with this sense of, you know, always having to, well, they're high achievers, but always having to go towards some 25 year gold watch idea, you know, head down. They're all wanting to be entrepreneurs now. And in so doing, with the internet and they've never known a word without Google, they're talking about, you know, I went to my workout. Yeah. I saw my therapist, you know, I I'm finishing my prop, my, my school project. Isn't that great. And isn't that how we all need to be talking in the future?
0: Yeah. I, I love it. Just no like balance. Like, it, it, I mean, part of the, the, like you alluded to this too is just acknowledging like health is health, like all of it like your well being like you can't you can't ignore specific parts of like uh, of the of your of your Indeed. your whole entity like it's it is your physical health it is your emotional health it is your mental health like all these things are what are part of you um and to to be sound you need to address all of these so i i do love the way the younger the kids have normalized a lot of these these yes. things and I do. This might be a a bit of a tangent, too, but I also like what you said about not waiting, you know, 25 years for the, you know, the gold watch or what have you. I I like the idea, too. Like what I want to teach my kids is to stop waiting for gratification or like thinking to yourself, I'll be happy when, you know, this I feel like this was something. I don't know if it's generational or just human nature, but when they say, hey, you know, I'll be happy when I get into residency or medical school, residency, fellowship, staff job, kids, uh, this 10 (laughs) papers, assistant professor, associate professor, full professor. I mean, you got to just at some (laughs) point, just settle in, like uh, just enjoy what you have and be grateful. I, I, I just listened to a podcast recently, which totally was, re- I found related, relatable. Um, it was about, uh, the, one of the equations for happy, happiness is what you have divided by what you want. I want to make sure I got that right. Yeah. Divided by what you have and divided by what you want, because a lot of these high achievers, you, you, your wants seem to just always increase. To, no matter what what level you're at, there's a hedonic uh, treadmill. They say, like, you know, just always, always wanting more, and and you're never going to be satisfied. And just at some point, just be like, hey, I don't need more. You know, I'm. We, we we've achieved some great things. Like I look at a lot of my healthcare professional colleagues and say, look at what you do for a living. Look at what how you've impacted lives. Like celebrate that shit.
1: Celebration. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I love the way you're articulating that too. Because when I was sitting down and thinking about all the people, and loneliness is the next affliction, mental health is the greatest um, cause of of disability now. But loneliness, I think, is going to be the next biggest affliction. You know, all the medical, you know, challenges that come with that as well. But, um, when I was putting this this map together, um, one of the things I really wanted to get across to people was that start now. Mm. And the top of the map, I was thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs when I was first putting it together. And I thought, no, no more mountain. No more getting to a pinnacle. No more striving. You know, no more trying to like, can I take one more breath and get to the top of Everest? You know, instead, let's just say we're going to get on and off this thing called the mental health map our whole entire lives. And the top of it isn't a top. It's something that we can reach and then fall back down again. But it's called Mm. self-enjoyment. Self-enjoyment and self-fulfillment, which could be, you know, doing the best job you can on that film you're making in film school, right? It doesn't have to be. Um, you know, at the Cannes Film Festival, it can be something you're really happy about. Or, um, a grandmother, she bakes the best friggin' cookies, you know, in the neighborhood. Everybody's like, I gotta have that apple pie Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be something so shiny. And, and that's it. That's a societal expectation that has been imprinted on us. But our self enjoyment, We have to sit with ourselves and surrender to the moment in order to really know what brings us joy when we feel like we're, we're in that flow. I used to do guidance counseling um, in a K to 12 school for the gifted. It's a high emotionality index, as you know, autism spectrum. And the interesting thing was a lot of those kids knew what could I do for hours on end and never get bored, you know? What really brings me joy? Yes, you have to add on a passion piece. I think that's where the sweet spot of resiliency really lies. Because when we do something and we sit back and go, like, damn, writing this book, like I'd pop out more babies before I'd write 65,000 (laughs) words. It was like, I'm writing the book. I'm calling my therapist saying like, holy crap. Like I'm trying to write a book for people to prevent them from having a full-blown nervous breakdown, and I'm having it right now, right? (laughs) But yeah, that real stopping, getting down, feeling it all to healing it all. Don't be afraid of that emotional spectrum. It's there for a reason. Even anger is a very energetic emotion. Sadness and grief helps us get to that place of, damn, this is what really matters to me. And I think that's where joy and resiliency resides.
0: Wow. No, that's, uh, Catherine, you're you're hitting it deep there. Like I I really (laughs) think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think people don't really think about this enough, like in terms of what brings them joy and how you could implement more, more of it into their life. I, I mean, I, I could speak that to many people in my circle. I, I feel like they, they've sacrificed this for, for a very long time, you know, because of not having that space, not having time to, you know, do the work, thinking about what brings them joy, or even if they know what brings them joy, not not prioritizing it.
1: Not but- prioritizing it. I, I got to tell you as well, Roger, I've done – um the emotional effects of retirement workshop, trying to help people figure that out after they've been working so hard at something for so many years. And I honestly have to look people in the eyes and say, do you realize you're at your greatest risk of a heart attack, especially for the males within a year after retirement? Mm. Why do you think that is?
0: They, They stop doing the stuff that, uh, that fulfills them potentially, or, um, Mood-wise, uh, you know, when you don't have that same sense of purpose, you're, you're you know, more depression, more anxiety, more mood disturbances. But uh, we do definitely see a lot of this post-retirement. Well, they brought
1: into that whole my self-esteem is based on the 25-year stature I have with this company. That's my work family is who I golf with. You know, like everything was tied up. They'd spent more time planning their dinner party than they did What can I do now for joy? What's my true passion? You know, maybe if I just played the piano like I did when I was a kid with wild abandonment, then I wouldn't have to sit here while I'm retired going, what am I going to do? I would already know I've started writing a children's book, and now I'm going to write this kind of book, my legacy. So I guess what I really want to get across to people, as you said, why, if not now, when? If not in a pandemic, when? When can we stop and really get honest with one another? This is working. This isn't working. Yes, I'm doing something important, but I know I could also be doing something over here that really fills up my cup. And you got to fill up your cup first. I think it was Lisa Nichols that said that. If you don't fill up your own cup, then you're not... You're not participating in self care. So fill up your own cup and let other people drink from the saucer.
0: Yeah. No, it's uh, a great, great point. And people just need to feel that permission to fill up their own cup, knowing that. And an
1: easy way to do that is to just sit down today, right now on your break, make a love list. The things you love to do without any censoring, without any time, just go, you know, I love um, playing with the dogs. I love um, my kids. I love baking. I love writing. I love I love hiking in the woods, you know, just with wild abandonment, like as if you were a kid. And then sometimes what I suggest to clients is even just make, get a jar, an empty mason jar. These are like simple, simple things, right? I mean, we're not doing cognitive behavioral therapy here. Um, and decorate it. Like if you, if you love things from nature, decorate it with things from nature on the outside, make it yours. And then take those little pieces of paper, things that you love, cut them out in little strips and put them in your self-esteem joy jar so that when you're having that kind of a day, you can just reach in and go, oh yeah, I need to, you know, do some yoga. You know, I need to just drink, you know, a big glass of water and have a belly laugh. Like, these are all things that sustain our total health, not just our mental health, aren't they?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, we were talking, I did an interview with uh, a coach, a uh, uh, leadership coach, uh, Jody Wilding. And, and one of the other things that's, in, in terms of the topic of joy is, you know, when people are feeling a little bit lost and, and figuring out what, where do they want to, you well, know, next project, next mm-hmm. uh area to, to focus on let joy be the the, the guiding star too like yeah. really like who, when it comes to a new project new uh, endeavor yes. why not why not do, dive into something that you're passionate about and a lot of us are in a position where it gets st- you, you these you could still be you know part of your job revenue generating it could be part of your career path but ask yourself how can how can some of these concepts cross over? Like if you're, I'm just just spitballing stuff. If you're, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you're a nurse practitioner that really enjoys people and working with group groups. Like maybe you set up a program that's a group, like where you're you're doing group counseling, and you know, like really trying to think of creative solutions that uh, get to to maximize joy. For you and I'm
1: yeah I'm so glad you're you're looking at the world that too that way and promoting that because it doesn't have to cost money either you know a lot of the things that we remember the most (laughs) those those big family meals you know where everybody's laughing or playing touch football with the kids or whatever it is. They didn't cost us anything, but mm. we had the loving use of time. We invested our time, energy, and resources. That's, and so that's what I've tried to do in the book, really, is, is take people through not only you know, that we have to, first of all, have self-awareness and self-acknowledgement, but then we have to get to the second step, which is this place of just, just let it go. Self-forgiveness, self-compassion, self-acceptance. What if I didn't put any makeup on today? What if I just said, you know what? I'm a beautiful person. Do some mirror work, you know, look in and go, I rock. Like get up in the morning, you know, how you wake up in the morning. I've got some information in there about don't reach for your phone. That's like everybody else's world, you know, bad news. And and I need this and this email. No, 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 no. Breathe. Do not look at your phone. Even have remember the old clock radios. Have a clock radio Amen. wake you up. Amen. And actually, do what I call. I have a rings kind of work workbook in there, and it's like repeat a mantra. You know, like really great person. Like say something. Say good morning. It's so great to see the sun. You know what? I really am a great person. That's the repeat a mantra. The the I in the rings is set a positive intention. You know what? I'm mean, I last and before you go to bed, think about three things you really are passionate about doing that next day, and set that intention, and say, you know what? I intend to do this today. And then the the um, N is just sitting there and noticing with all of your senses. How often do we are we so desensitized that we don't even really smell the good smells? You know, really look at the light as it comes in on your on your bedroom window, right, and, and listen for the sounds of kids waking up or, you know, the, the sounds that, that make you feel like you're comfortable, right? We often use a very small percentage of our perception. So take time to notice that. And then G is for gratitude. We don't need the big stuff. I'm so happy I'm in this comfortable bed as I'm waking up. I'm grateful for, you know, someone who cares for me and loves me and listens to me or my dog. When I worked in suicide in the Arctic, you know, some people, I could keep them in the to-be camp just by asking if they'd fed their dog. Because the human-animal bond can be as extraordinarily strong and important for people as a human bond. So what are you grateful for? And then... Lastly, the S is to just take time to sit with yourself. Sit in silence. There's great apps. I've got a bunch of them mentioned, and I have an ebook so you can you can click on them. I have one on my website, but just take time to meditate, be mindful. Before you get in this whole barrage of here's what I have to do to be successful today, and all the things from the outside in. Instead start with joy and grounding and gratitude from the inside out and see how your day is different from not just a mental health perspective, but a total health perspective.
0: You, you know what I love about that, Catherine? I'm a big believer of like priming. Like if you prime your day, like set the tone for the day mm-hmm. in a positive light, you see things more positively. Your, your, your mood is better. Your energy is better. People feed off that shit too. Yeah, you, know, you feed off your,
1: that shit. Yeah, they like really into,
0: we were talking about this actually. We Doctor Peter Brindley gave a lecture to our our trainees, and we t- we chatted about that too. Like, bring you, the way you walk into an ICU. Yeah.
1: The
0: way you your energy walking in, people feed off, feed off feed off that. Especially being a leader, like you don't you know, whether you're you know, a physician leader, nurse leader, respiratory therapist leader. They feed off that. So if you could be intentional, walk in the door, we'll set the tone of the day. Like I, my personal one that I've been uh, jumping into is either trying to get some laughs in, trying to find oh something God, that'll laughter. make me laugh.
1: Dr. Yoga, laughter therapy, like get yeah. the endorphins going right away. And I, I don't know if you, you probably scientifically have looked at this too, but even if you, if I don't find your joke funny, laugh anyway. Because
0: yeah. the balling doesn't know the difference, you get the same endorphin hit, right? Just from laughing. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I it was like laughing because, I, honestly, I feel like we we don't do it as much as we used to. Like we, I don't, maybe it's just oh. a, a personal observation, but I, not, not as much belly laughs these days. And then also throwing down some music that will get you going. Like uh, we used to in our house, yeah. we got. You know, if you include Coco, there's our dog, there's six of us. And when, right. when we get uh when we the all Cocoa. get moving <laughs> when we all get moving, it's it uh it's hard not to smile. You know what I mean? Like it's hard not to put a smile on everyone's face. So
1: And neuroscience has proven that. Yeah. You know, we make these new neural networks that we actually get that endorphin hit and music is one of the best ways to immediately drive that music, moving our bodies, dancing. You know, I always suggest to people, like, think about when you drink your water, I got to prepare something healthy, but while you're in the kitchen, like, pump up the volume on that music and dance while you're cooking, right? Yeah. You know, you're getting all kinds of good stuff for your your physical and uh, mental health, right? And I just wanted to, if I could just take a moment to piggyback on, I know that you are surrounded by men, by, by health heroes, Every day they go in and they do the best they can with the time, energy, resources they have. But I work a lot in creating psychologically safe workplaces and also helping with mental health leadership training. And you're right. You are the role models. How you enter the room, how you take care of yourself, how you talk to yourself, how you set up yourself and others to have a safe, mentally healthy workplace trickles down. And it all starts, I think, with honesty and vulnerability. Um, I used to do workshops. Um, I don't know if you remember this campaign, not myself today. One of the things I recommend the most in work families is take the time to know your people. What are they really going through? Do they have a sick, you know, child at home? Have they just lost someone they love and they're stuck somewhere in this complicated grief, you know, vortex, right? What are they struggling with perhaps? And even if you don't know, know when they're, they're dancing and when they're at their best, right? So that you can just go in and have the language. I've tried to give people simple language like, You know, you just don't seem yourself today. And that's one of the campaigns we used to do, right? I couldn't help but notice. I love that language because it doesn't sound like I think this or you're late. You know, I couldn't help but notice that you've kind of been coming in a little bit later, leaving earlier. You know, I'm just trying to understand. Is there anything you want to talk about? Any reason for that? Um, Or, you know, I'm just kind of concerned, this report that you just wrote doesn't seem, you know, like a merry report. You know, just help me understand what's changed. So lots, lots of open-ended questions with the intention of seeking to understand. It was Stephen Colby that said, seek first to understand before being understood. And how often do we think, oh, well, I'm not going to get under that person's grill. I'm not going to ask the question. Um, I can honestly tell you more mental health issues have been addressed and solved over a cup of coffee. And we all know Tim Hortons or taking somebody for a walk, especially getting out of that stress of their work environment, just walking side by side without all that pressure of, is this this a job review or am I in trouble than any other way? And by just simply saying, I'm here to listen. And you don't have to fix it. Everybody tells me, oh Catherine, I don't want to ask the question. Are you feeling at the end of your rope? Because what if what if I make them suicidal? <laughs> you don't make people anything. What you do is you make human connection, honest, authentic bonds when you ask those tough questions in a way where you're open and receptive to really receiving and knowing what your boundaries are. If you're not a medical professional, you no, know, you don't have to do a Beck depression inventory with someone or a suicide inventory, but there's crisis lines to call. Get the person to a drop-in clinic. Build bridges to resources. If you're in an organization and they have an employee family assistance program, you can talk to somebody like me at the other end of the line. 24-7 there's someone. There's, there's online chat so as you can see, my real passion is prevention. In fact, I wish we all had T-shirts we could wear with PPP. I'm a primary prevention proponent, right? Yeah. Eyes and ears on the ground. And then we could all go in and have those trust bank accounts. That's what I like to t- call them with people. So that when they're not themselves, we can have conversations and build bridges to resources, early intervention
0: that's it like that's that's where the money's at like it's catch it before it's a blaze you know and uh right now there's too much blazing not enough,
1: <laughs> not blazing.
0: <laughs> not enough prevention so i yeah. uh you're definitely speaking speaking my language you know uh, Catherine. earlier we we and and but just because the conversation has been amazing, but I I I, I just want to make sure I left space to to summarize too, like the 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 four, you know, in in terms of your book, like the four sections as you mentioned about, like so f- the the first part you were saying like where am I, I, I wanted I wanted to make sure that we had a, a time to to clarify the other four sections. So do you mind throwing down?
1: Yeah, sure. So as I said, kind of think of yourself as a vehicle. If you're going to get on the road, get out there in the world, you're going to have to be um, have self awareness and self honesty. You know, you got to talk about it and and seek help and resources. Secondly, you're not going to get anywhere by just continuing to beat yourself up. So we have to get to this place of self acceptance, self forgiveness, and the hardest one, <laughs> self compassion. Right. Um, and, and that kind of goes along with the whole concept of common humanity. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody who has not messed up in life. Right. So, um, if you can have compassion for others, why is it so difficult to have it for yourself? So there's a lot of theory and research that I've included in the book on that to help you get to that place. And number two, if you don't have the awareness, you don't have the self-acceptance, self-compassion, it's going to be really hard to embrace your dark packages. And there's a whole slew of those that are coming if you haven't already had them, <laughs> whether that's uh, transition. And you talked about work-life balance. I mean, we get off balance so easily. So there's a number of tools in there. Grief, um, you know, all of the things like he, I, I coined a word called... Um, Human connection deficit syndrome. When we couldn't touch a person, especially if we were living alone, like even just going out and well, you you had some tree huggers on your on your show hugging a tree, <laughs> um, even having a weighted blanket. So I, you know, like things that actually, I love my
0: weighted blanket for the record. Yes, for the record.
1: Yes. So those are the ways to embrace your gifts in dark packages. And I think what I neglected to say is even in step one, it's getting that emotional wheel rolling for you so that you can even say, yes, this is anger. Yes, this is contempt. Yes, this is me feeling guilty. And then knowing that you don't have to stay there, but you have to acknowledge it. When the packages come, instead of saying, no, send that one back to sender. That's, that's not mine. No, that's not my name on it. Right. I think I said at the beginning of the program here, repression is not a very effective tool. If not now, when? Just know there's small steps and professionals out there that will help you get in that dark packages. Embrace it, hug it, say, what's in here? And discover the light in it. There's like a flashlight, right? You get down in that dark tunnel and there's only one place to go and it's up. And where else is there to be, Right. And you do, I can promise you, even if it's a small little epiphany, at the very least, you get to the other side with this newfound sense of strength and wisdom that you would never have otherwise had. And that's the gift. That's the dark gift, as I like to call it. And lastly, and you can only do this if you've had the first three stages, give your gifts. Don't let the music die in you. That's what that's what uh, Wayne Dyer said. Don't, or I think he said, don't die with the music still in you. So that's part of why I decided to take my 25 years of my own difficult times, my client's times. The, I mean, I used to go to bank robberies, you know, critical incident stress debriefing, recognizing that, you know, you might say, well, that was nothing. Well, you know, your little T trauma might actually be igniting a capital T trauma in someone who was held up at gunpoint in their country of origin. It's Mm. also taking away the judgment, but knowing that you're meant to give your gifts to the world. Look at the light. That's dark, but inside is so much hope and light that we can make such a difference in the world. Every single one of us has gifts, but don't just try to go and be a, well, I I lost my husband and I'm a widow and I went to a grief group, so now I'm going to run a grief group if you haven't done your work if you haven't fully embraced your own darkness to then give your light
0: this is this is gold this is gold and and i feel quite strongly about about that you know looking at the the light in the darkness like we, we actually did, i just did a show like we uh, use adversity as a weapon I give was recounting my own personal journey about, you know, uh, just some of the challenges we've had, uh, personally and professionally and, 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 and seeing what, what awesomeness came through overcoming <laughs> yeah. through that adversity. And I, I just really, especially uh, post pandemic to try and give some hope to people to really say, you know, this has been shitty. But like what can we learn, and and what have we, what, what, what tools have we have we now honed in on that is going to just make humanity better, the, our our medical community better, our, our education to our kids better, our mental health, and all these things? Like, what can we, how can we pivot, how can we leverage some of the shit that we've gone through and use it into. make make it into something beautiful and and inspire to do so. Um, And then your last point of like, give your gift. I think that's sometimes something that, uh, you know, it can't be said enough. I think when people, and I I think it ties in a little bit to people being a bit vulnerable and open, Uh, you know, to say what they've gone through or, or their personal experiences and, uh, whether that is through a book, whether that is through, you know, uh, chat groups, whatever. But to to open up and 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 g- giving that gift of what you've you've personally learned through your your journey and and what can come come out of it, I think it's such a such a such an important thing to 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 express. So I I really everything you're saying, Catherine, really really hits home personally. I, I really think well, it's thank great. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And I just want to leave the listeners with a concept they might not have heard before. And I talked about it in the book called post-traumatic growth. And there's even some research in there um, post-pandemic about families, you know, asking families, was there anything good that came out of the pandemic? And post-traumatic growth is when you experience like new wisdom, new ways of being, new new changes in your relationships all those kind of things that you maybe you couldn't see before you want to look at history like victor frankl who survived you in the holocaust it it allows you maybe um there's another book called um when bad things happen to good people you know i could have been a like a just an okay rabbi but because my son died at 12 of this debilitating disease where i don't know you kind of age backwards i am now an extraordinary rabbi right mm and so post traumatic growth is really the gift that's the dark gift and i think it was angela duckworth that coined the phrase grit i'm pretty gritty yeah. i don't know about you but i like coin,
0: did she coin it though i think yeah. she made it popular but like as as a sports guy we yeah yeah, yeah yeah we've been she buzzing about <laughs> yeah, yeah. she didn't
1: coin it but she used it in the post traumatic growth world yeah. to make it you know sticky and uh i think that we could be like hey I- i'm just getting grittier here like and yeah. so that when the dark package lands on your doorstep you're like all right i wonder what's in this one let's see if we can get a touchdown you know kind of yeah. thing instead yeah. of going no you're like wait i have a mental health resiliency toolkit I know what to do. Or one of my uh, colleagues had said, Catherine, I don't know if you knew this, but it's like you wrote the doctor's book of home remedies for mental <laughs> health. <laughs> Cause I just kept thinking about all the situations I've been in and oh, people will need this and they'll need that. And they'll get on the roadway here. So I think I really want to leave listeners with that thought about post traumatic growth mm. and, you know, soon enough, I think we'll all be talking about our dark gifts. We'll be at a dinner party, and be like, "I've got a dark gift for you." You know,
0: mm. I love it, Catherine. Listen, thank you so much for for coming on the show and and like really, really giving people a roadmap on how to get better, like collectively how we address these mental health issues and and collectively get better. And I know I'm feeling more inspired after this interview and. Um, how can people get a hold of you? Yes, the book gifts, but how how do they learn more about Catherine Clark?
1: So on Amazon, gifts in dark packages, and the subtitle is "How to Embrace Adversity, Transform Your Life, and Experience Joy." Um, and actually, I just have the ebook up there now too, and all the proceeds are going to jack.org for youth mental health because I think our youngest members of the population, if they can get these tools early in life, we won't be having the full emergency room, you know, suicidal um, clients or patients, will we? Um, my website is katherineclarkconnects.com under the same on, on Instagram. And I would just love to hear from you. Uh, I, uh, my next compilation book is going to be a dark gifts one. Mm. I just want to go around and interview people and collect up all these extraordinary dark gift stories. So take some time to ponder that, sit back and think, yeah, that was a really shitty time. That was a really dark package, but I'm going to leave you with that. What's the dark gift? And let me know. And please give me, uh, give me your feedback. Uh, love to uh love to keep conversing about something that's so near and dear to all of our ha- hearts let's go out and give our gifts and make a difference especially it. in mental health
0: i love it thank you so much Catherine. this meant a lot to uh, myself and our listeners
1: and do something good for yourself today one self-care thing what are you going to do quadro
0: oh i'm um that's a great question i'm gonna play hockey tonight first one i'm gonna do yes Go play hockey yeah. tonight yeah no but thanks for the reminder.
1: Exactly. We got and and put a post-it note on your computer that says breathe. You know, is this really worthy of my full blown, you know, anxiety attack right now? Or could I just breathe through this and and say, is there any other way to look at the situation? Change my perspective, get up, put the music on dance. I'm going to make some supper tonight and listen to some good tunes and go out in the, the park and pick up a few leaves and look at all the different shapes and sizes of the trees right now. It's a beautiful fall's my favorite time of year. And you know the cool thing about fall? What's that? Things are dying. But there's so much beauty in endings, isn't there?
0: Totally. Yeah, I mean, as a palliative care doc, I could fully appreciate that. Awesome. Oh thank you once again, Catherine. Meant a lot. Thank you. Here's to mental health. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much for listening, Quadcast Nation. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Catherine. Leave any comments at quadcast99 at gmail.com. Leave that five-star rating, yo, on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. Much appreciated. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook at Quadcast. And listen, everyone take care of themselves. I hope you guys are going to start prioritizing yourselves. This is only going to lead to more bookie changing, folks. (laughs) All right. Peace.